Well, hi, Cornerstone. My name is Matt, and I am the uh, campus pastor at the best, I mean, the Danville campus. And I need to give a big shout out to everybody at the Danville campus meeting at San Ramon Valley High School in Danville, uh, which happens to be the high school I graduated from way back in 1998. I know that was a long time ago. Go Wolves. And I want to say hi to uh, all of our brothers and sisters at CF Inside, as well as giving a big shout out to everyone in Hayward. What's up, Hayward? And uh, Walnut Creek, Brentwood, and Livermore. And as you heard, we are starting a brand new series called Live Generously. And uh, this is going to be a great series. It's going to be a challenging series for us, but it's going to be used in a mighty way. God's going to do some great things. And uh, some of you, uh, when you uh, came to Cornerstone, you might not have even have known that this was one of our values, that this was one of the things that like, we hold as really important. And from time to time here at Cornerstone, we like to refresh ourselves on our values. And our values here are this. Community, equipping, outreach, care, and generosity. And so what that means is we hold these values at the center of what we do as we complete our mission. And that is to help people take their next step with Jesus. And as we all work together, we're going to help repair the torn fabric here in the East Bay. Now, the East Bay is a great place to live. I mean, I know you know this because you live here, but we really have it all. We've got Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. It doesn't get any better than that. But just like any place, it's not perfect. And here in the East Bay, there's depression and sadness and pain and broken relationships, and we could go on and on, and I could share from a Danville campus perspective that even affluence does not solve the problems here in the East Bay. But we believe as a church that if we hold these values at the center of what we do, that we can help repair it because of what God's gonna do in and through us. Now, recently, a lot of new people came to Cornerstone, and it's awesome, it's great, it's fantastic, and some of you were generous right from the beginning, others of you became generous, and some of you had no idea that this was one of our values here. Well, today, I'm just going to go for it, and I'm going to challenge you on this topic, but I need to make something really clear. This is not a series where we're trying to get you to do something. It's not. This is a series designed to get you to be something. This is not a message to try to get you to do something. This is a message designed to get you to be something. And so for the next three weekends, we're gonna talk about how to live generously. Like what would happen if everybody here at Cornerstone was known for their generosity? Like what kind of shift would need to take place for every single person that calls this church their home for it to be a hallmark of generosity? What would that look like? So let me tell you where we're going today. I'm gonna give a biblical definition of living generously. And then we're gonna look at what generosity is 
and what it isn't, and then we'll look at what Jesus had to say on this topic. So to begin, let's look at an Old Testament verse about generous people. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. And so what we see in Scripture is that living generously requires a plan. It requires some commitment. There's some intentional thought that's been put into it. And it takes a level of dedication regardless of what's going on in the economy. Now, I need to make a distinction here. We're not talking about how to give generously. Because everybody in America knows how to give generously. We're talking about how to live generously. Now, I have a a pretty good idea what some of you may be thinking, because I know at least the way I think. As soon as someone tells me I don't know how to do something, I immediately in my mind, I think about the time I last did it. Or as soon as someone tells me I'm not a certain way, I think about really fast the last time I was that way. And this has happened in my marriage. I imagine it's happened to other married guys here, where one day you hear from your wife, you just don't do enough around the house. And guys, what do we think of? The time we vacuumed last year. (laughs) And so in this series, we're really talking about this being a core value, that this generosity would be a lifestyle, that it'd be something that would affect every other part of our life. So let me give a biblical definition of living generously. Living generously is understanding that God is the owner of everything. And what we have has been given to us by God. The resources we possess are assets to be invested wisely. So that's our working definition of living generously. And as you can see from it, it requires a redeemed mindset that everything we have in life, God gave us. So this is my car. It's a uh, Scion XA, and uh, my uh, stepsons, Cole and Liam, they're uh, 11 and nine years old. So they're in fifth and third grade, and they have affectionately nicknamed my car the Blueberry. And it's a 2006, and so I put a lot of miles on it. In fact, I've got over 236,000 miles on this car, and I've had it for a long time, and so I've kind of been attached now to my car, and I've got a lot of memories in it. It's been so good to me. It's been so faithful and reliable. I've moved with it several times. It's just been a great car. But every now and then, the boys will say, when are you going to get a new car? And I get it, because it's not like a real fancy car. And all their friends at school, they have nicer, shinier, bigger cars. And so I totally understand. I mean, there's, it's not really that fancy. Um, it's loud inside. It sounds like someone put a lawnmower in for the engine. It doesn't have a lot of pickup. In fact, like on the freeway, I feel like I get speed wobbles if I go too fast. 
Uh, one of the things I love to do in my car actually is I like to pull up at a stoplight to like nicer, faster cars and I'll just rev the engine and they'll look at me like, and I'll just stare back at them and say, it's on. And they'll just like take off and leave me in the dust. It's like a small car, like, I mean, it's really small. The Danville staff, we, got, we all got in the other day, we went out to lunch and we've never been so close ever before. Uh, but because I've had this car for so long, I've like really grown attached to it. And I paid it off years ago in self-disclosure. I love to save money. And so when the boys say like, when are you gonna get a new car? I feel like saying to them, you little ungrateful squirts. This car was given to us by God. And it doesn't even stop there. Even my wife, she refuses to drive this car. And she's got a used minivan. But little do the boys know that when they're old enough, they're gonna be driving this. <laughs> and hopefully they'll appreciate it that God gave it to me and I'm going to give it to them. That is unless grandma or grandpa kick down and grandma and grandpa are here, so no pressure. But... I, I, just so it's clear, they are not spoiled little brats, all right? They're not. I am so proud to be their stepdad. But to be honest with you, it would be really hard for my family to be generous if we had a new car payment. I mean, I might be the Danville campus pastor, but we are not making Danville money, all right? We are living with my in-laws right now in Walnut Creek, so big shout out to the Walnut Creek campus. And uh, they have, my in-laws are so generous. They have let us take over like half the house. We've taken over the entire bottom floor. Luckily, we have three rooms, so we're, we're spread out. We have our own bathroom uh, with two sinks, a shower. We even have a little place for our own washer and dryer. I mean, we're just so fortunate that we have family that even allow us to do this. And we are saving up like never before. And we're saving up all in hopes that someday we'll be able to enter the conversation of possibly owning a home in Danville. And I share that with you because this is challenging. I'm 38 years old. And if someone would have told me, you know, you're gonna be living with your in-laws at 38, I would have said, no, that's not the goal. It's challenging here in the East Bay. It's challenging to make all this work and to be generous. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So let me explain what generosity is and what it is not. And I want to first start with what it is not. We have to teach our boys about generosity because generosity is not intuitive. If you have children, you know this. If you remember being children, then you know this. We have to teach our kids how to share. Why? Because it doesn't come intuitively. It doesn't come naturally. Even like for us adults, it's hard for us to want to share, especially sharing things that feel like ours, right? I mean, you might have a friend that might ask, can, I, can they borrow one of your things? Or you might be asked to like give to a certain cause. And it's hard for us because sometimes we don't want to be overly generous because it doesn't come intuitively. It doesn't come naturally for us. Here's another thing about generosity. 
Generosity is not about how much you give. You could have a lot of money. And you could give a gift that most people will look at and say, that's a lot. But for you, it's really not. And so therefore, you wouldn't be that generous. Now, on the flip side, you could not have that much. And you could give a gift that most people would look at and go, it's not that much. But to you, it's a lot. And so therefore, you would be more generous. So one way to look at generosity is not on how much you give, but maybe in how much you keep for yourself. So let's look at, uh, look at what generosity is. Generosity comes from gratitude. And you know this, because anytime you've been generous to someone and they've expressed gratitude for it, what does it make you want to do? It makes you want to be more generous. And if you've been generous to someone and they kind of come across like entitled or they deserve it, it kind of shuts us down and we don't want to be as generous. And if you've done any work with the homeless or they're working poor, and if they come across entitled or they, they deserve that, it shuts us down and it's hard for us to want to be more generous. And I wonder if that's how it is a little bit with God and us. I wonder if we've expressed enough gratitude for God's generosity towards us. As I was getting ready for this sermon, I thought about that question for myself. And I wondered, I wonder if, does God really feel like I've expressed the gratitude that I should have for his generosity for me? Well, I gotta tell you another story about the boys. So uh, my parents, they have a timeshare uh, in Hawaii, in Kauai. And uh, one year they asked us, do you guys wanna go with us? And I was like, let me pray about that. Yes, we want to go. Are, are you sure you want us to go with you? And they were like, yes. Now, even though the timeshare was paid for, this was a very expensive trip for us. I mean, we had to save and save and save just to get a family of four out there. It's expensive. And the trip was just, it was amazing. And it was that, that the timeshare was perfect for young families with kids because, I mean, you know how it is. If your kids aren't occupied on vacation, it ain't a vacation, all right? And the timeshare was perfect, okay? The beach was like right up on the timeshare. Uh, there was three pools, jacuzzis, waterfalls. Uh, the fish, that were, they were everywhere. It was amazing. The snorkeling was incredible. There were sea turtles that were hanging out in the waves at the beach right there. In fact, sea lions would come up and camp themselves up right there on the beach. You could walk up right next to them. And the people that designed the resort, they were so smart. They had this lagoon in the center and uh, they would give all the kids these little bamboo fishing poles and they stocked the little lagoon there. And so like in, in like an hour, the boys would catch like 20 fish. I mean, it was like the best vacation we had ever taken. We had these unbelievable memories. It was like, we were, we're gonna talk about these memories like for the rest of our lives. And then my parents asked, do you guys want to go again? And we're like, are you serious? We get to do that again? I mean, you guys are being so generous. Are you sure? And they're like, yes. And, and so I, I'll never forget after the second time we went, we're unpacking our bags and we're getting settled in. And we asked the boys, so like, what did you think? And they were like, yeah, it was okay. You know, next year, can we go to a different island? Have you ever had one of those moments 
when you thought your kids weren't saved? I, I immediately started sharing the gospel with him. I was like, do you know that God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life? I mean, you're gonna think our boys are so spoiled, right? The point is that expressing our gratitude from the generosity we've received, it's important. Here's what's also important. Generosity is more than random acts of giving. Most Americans are good at random acts of giving. Man, most random acts of giving usually come when someone's like persuading us or asking us for something. Sometimes they're inspiring us. Sometimes they're even guilting us. But the truth is that most random acts of giving usually come after some sort of like sales pitch. Now that doesn't mean like we're upset about doing random acts of giving or that we feel bad about it or we feel guilty. And I'm all for random acts of giving. I think there should be more random acts of giving, but that's not what this series is about. The series is about a lifestyle. And here's what's also, I think, helpful. Genuine generosity transcends inspiration and guilt. People that are genuinely generous, they've moved past the big sales pitch or the need that's in like the community or far out in the world. And they're never moved by guilt because for them, it's, it's a planned out process. It's a lifestyle. There's, they're giving sacrificially. It's a committed kind of lifestyle. And since we're talking about generosity and commitment and a lifestyle, it's only appropriate to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out here today. So happy Mother's Day. And, and I'm aware that not every woman here is a mom. And I'm aware that here at Cornerstone, we've kind of moved past the idea. We've graduated kind of from the idea we have to give a rose to every single woman or flower in attendance today. But at the same time, you moms, what you do, you embody generosity. I mean, to be a mom, it means you're gonna be generous. Because you have to give and give and give. I mean, you give your body, you give your time, you give your patience, you give your talents. I mean, you're just constantly giving. And if you're here today, if you're breathing, if you're watching online, you've probably experienced the generosity either from a mom or a mother type figure, even if you don't know your mom. I'm sure there's been some woman in your life who has shown you a, a woman's generosity. I just think about my wife, Anne, and how much she loves our boys and how much our boys just adore her. Think about how hard she works. She's a full-time mom and she works full-time. I think about my mom. Think about how hard she worked. You are looking at the winner of the All-Around Excellence Award in sixth grade. I know it's impressive. But I should have given that award to my mom because my mom was the one who would stay up late at night with me on those sixth grade projects. You know those ones that like no sixth grader should ever be held responsible to complete? Those like super hard ones. It was my mom who would stay up late at night working on those with me in a cheerful, loving way. I just think about Anne's mom and how hard she works for us, how, how much she helps us. And this is just what you moms do all the time. You just give and you give and you give. And when you do that, you actually show us what God is like. Because the most well-known verse in the entire Bible 
says, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God's a giver. And when you moms give and you give and you give, you show us what generosity is like, but you also show us what God is like. So thank you. Now we need to keep going. Generosity is our historic Christian hallmark. And we see this in the early church and it's recorded for us in the book of Acts. And there are two different times in the book of Acts where we see that people sold their possessions or they sold their land and they took the money and they gave it to people that were in need. And what we can see from the book of Acts is that this was, and don't miss the power of this, this was a normal part of just what they did. This is just something that like was part of their lifestyle. Apparently this is like just what the followers of Jesus did all the time. That's the impression we get when we look at Acts. And here's one of those times in Acts. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. That means the whole church was doing this. That there was no needy person among them. There was no needy person among them. They were able to take care of all the needs there. They were living generously. It was a lifestyle. They understood that God was the owner and that everything they had was to be invested in wisely. This no strings attached generosity, this was the hallmark for the first century Christians. It might be hard to imagine this, but back then they didn't have buildings or a voice. In fact, many times they wouldn't even be hired because it was believed they were part of a cult. Sometimes they'd have to move away from their cities because where they were living wasn't safe for them and they have to move to far off places. And this went on for 300 years. Historians will tell us that the first century Christians, their leverage did not come with money because they had very little money. But their leverage came from their no strings attached generosity and compassion. And they lived in a culture that showed very little compassion to them. And yet they were willing to share with people and show compassion to people that were against them. And they took their cues from Jesus. And it transformed the world. The world has never been the same because of what the first century Christians did with their generosity. Well, how did that happen? How did they get this? How did they like understand this? Like, how could they accomplish that? How could the world never be the same because of just this one value? Well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at a verse that Jesus said, and it's a unique verse, because most of us have heard this. Most of us have said this. Most of us probably didn't know it was in the Bible. Most of us probably didn't know that it was in the New Testament. And most of us have probably lost the real meaning to this verse. This verse is found in the book of Acts, and Paul is quoting Jesus. And he's sharing something that Jesus said, something that Jesus said quite a bit. 
And he's telling this to Christians in modern day Turkey in Ephesus, even though this is something that Jesus said in Galilee. And everybody there, everybody there fully understands exactly what Paul is communicating because they all know exactly what Jesus meant by this phrase. And here it is. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, when you have said that, or when someone has said that to you, I'm willing to bet that like 90% of the time it happened in some sort of interaction where you gave a gift or someone else gave a gift and the conversation either with you or the other person went something like this, well, thank you so much, that's so generous of you and you or the other person, doesn't matter. They, someone said, well, it's my pleasure. I love to give gifts. In fact, I, that's just kind of the way God's wired me. And then someone said, well, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But that's not what Jesus meant in that phrase. That's not what he meant in that kind of situation. He, that's that's like, a one, like a one moment in time. That's not what Jesus meant. For Jesus, this was a way of living. It's not like, it's not in reference to that one time you gave a good gift and like someone said, thank you, that's so generous of you. And there's nothing wrong with giving good gifts. It's great, it's awesome, like we should do that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not to like a reference in a moment in time. And let's just be honest. I mean, we've all had moments where we've given a gift or someone gave us a gift and, and we had that moment where he said, or somebody said like, well, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And you might've had a moment like, like I had growing up where I would hear that in church, like, but it's blessed to receive as well. I mean, I know it's like blessed to give, but it's also blessed to receive. And I actually think receiving is a little bit better, but it's church, so we'll, we'll just say it's, it's better to give. But we've all probably had that moment where we've almost doubted this because we think about it as a moment in time. But that's not what Jesus had in mind here. That's not what he was referring to. Listen to this, this is like really important. When Jesus said it's more blessed, he's using the word blessed that he also used in the Beatitudes. And the word blessed actually means happy. And so Jesus is saying, happy is the outcome with a way of living or a lifestyle of generosity. And so what Jesus is saying, or what you could say what Paul is saying, if you read this in context, is that living a generous life, not having moments of generosity, but living a generous life, if generosity is a core value, if it's a lifestyle, you will be happy. In other words, happiness is the outcome to a generous life. Happy is the person who orders their life not upon receiving but giving. Happy is the man, or you could say the woman, or the teenager, or the kid whose life is centered around giving and not receiving. And Jesus made it clear that you can sow and reap your way into happiness, which means we can all take steps to lead into our own happiness. 
So I wanna to talk to just like the 20s, the 20-somethings here. So if you're not in your 20s, you can check out Instagram, emails, whatever you wanna do. This is just for the 20s, okay? The tricky thing with being in your 20s is you could be sowing your way in a certain direction and not even be aware that you're sowing into your own unhappiness. And then you get to be in your 30s and you realize, I'm so unhappy. And then it'll dawn on you, oh, I get it. Look at what I've been doing. Look at how I've been like striving for something for these last 10 years. And it hasn't really brought me happiness. Or you could be in your 40s and you could realize I am so unhappy. And you could wanna blame it on your husband or your wife or your kids or your kids' friends or the school they go to. And you might have a moment where you go, I'm reaping what I've sowed. I've been sowing in the wrong direction. And luckily God is so good because at any point we can start to sow in the right direction. It's not too late for us. Now we can choose to ignore Jesus and we can just continue to sow in the wrong direction, but we'll reap unhappiness. Now, some, for some of us, we've been sowing in the right direction and we're really happy. And we're not happy just because like we were born happy, like some people might say, or well, it's not, some people might say, well, they're just happy because their circumstances are really good. No, there's, some, there's people here, you've been sowing in the right direction, but your circumstances are far worse than like the people five rows in front of you and five rows behind you, but you're still happy because you've been sowing in the right direction. Now, I, I just want us to be honest, okay? Um, how many of us have thought, I thought I knew what would make me happy? Okay, at first, it was just my mom. <laughs> so thank you, mom. All right, and Brentwood, just so it's clear, there was a few people more than my mom, but this, it's, it's not uncommon, right? To get to this place where like, oh, I thought I knew what would make me happy because there's this whole thing called a marketing industry and investors and really smart, creative people that know how to send messages to us through commercials and billboards and advertisements that if we just had this, then we would be happy. So there's a takeaway here, all right? Here's the takeaway, and this applies to every single person here. You should not always believe what you think because you have made decisions based upon, I thought I knew it would make me happy, and there were times when you were absolutely wrong myself included. It just happens. And nowhere does this apply more than with the topic of money, because we all believe there's this connection between money and happiness. I mean, we all believe that. In fact, you'll even hear it at church, and you might even hear it outside the church. Well, you know, money won't make you happy. But how many of us really believe that? I don't believe that. When I hear people say, you know, money won't make you happy, you know what I often think? Try me. Where do I sign up for that? I'd like to take the test. I'd like to find out, will money really make me happy? And we, we doubt it. And we doubt that because we believe deep down inside there is a connection between money and happiness. And you know what? Research shows that. There is. There is a connection between money and happiness. But we often assume that that connection evolves around this word called more. 
if I just had more, then I'd be happy. With more would bring more happiness. So I want us to get to think about this in a really practical and I think helpful way. This applies to every single person here. Don't say it out loud. I just want you to think about it. Answer it in your head. How much more money would it take to make you happy? Think about it. How much? Because if we all believe there's this connection between money and happiness, it would do us well to figure out how much more it would take to make us happy because then we'd have something to shoot for. We'd have something to strive for, right? Well, I have an answer here. I have an answer that applies to every single person in the room. You ready for it? Here it is. More than you currently have. And that shouldn't surprise us, right? Because I think this is gonna be something that we struggle with for the rest of our lives. I'm not sure this will ever really change. So there's good news. There is a connection between money and happiness, but it's not around the word more. It's a different word. It starts with M and it's managed. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says it's not how much you have, it's how you manage what you do have that will lead to your happiness. And we know this, right? Because we can all think of at least one person we know who has way more money than us, right? I mean, way more money than us, but it's not managed well, and therefore, they're not happy. On, on, like, more than that, you could actually think of people that have more money than those people, that have, like, way, like, too much money. They don't even know what to do with all their money, and it's not managed well, and they're not happy either, now, I know what some of you might be thinking. You might be thinking, what is this guy? I mean, how, how could he possibly know this much about money? He's already told us he's living with his in-laws right now, and he's 38 years old. Well, we see all of this in God's word. It's all right there for us. In fact, if you looked at everything that Jesus had to say about money and if you looked at everything that Jesus read while he was walking on this earth, referring to the Jewish scriptures, and if you tried to narrow it all down to two words, do you know what those two words would be? Generosity and wisdom. Generosity and wisdom. And if you wanna make this like, connection between like, money and happiness work, well, we've, we've, we've gotta look at God's wisdom. On this. And I'd be willing to bet that if you went out and you talked to a friend of yours who's like the happiest person that's walking with Jesus, and you started talking to them about how they handle their money, I'd be willing to bet that what you'll find out is that they're generous and they're wise with their money. And if I could break down God's wisdom on money, I would do it with three simple words. And it's give, save, and live. Give God what is his, not because God's after your money. It's actually because God actually wants something for you. And save what you need to feel good about your future and then just live off the rest. Now, I have a friend who's really good at this. He's, he gives, he saves, and he lives off the rest and he does it really well. And for some reason, he's just chosen to uh, be generous towards me. I don't know why. 
but he's kind of championed me and he's come alongside me and he's paid for me to go to conferences and seminars. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, I want to be. God's been generous to me and and I want to be generous to you. And he's really creative in how he does this. Like the other day, I was going to get my hair cut and I went up to go pay for it. And the lady who cut my hair, she's like, it's taken care of. I'm like, what do you mean it's taken care of? Someone already paid for it. And I'm like, who? Who paid for it? And she's like, <laughs> he's trained them to not say who it is. And I figured it out now, okay? But uh, the other day, also, we were out at a restaurant, and um, he saw us eating. And I didn't see him, but he snuck into the restaurant and paid for our meal. And he just lives this generosity out. He's living generously. And I know because I know him that he's experiencing exactly what Jesus is talking about. That it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now I want to give a takeaway, something I think that might help. I think it'd be really great for us if we all actually talked about this in our groups or with a friend. I think we should define your understanding of generosity and then start to think about what that would look like in your life. And I'm confident that if you do this, you're gonna learn something in the process. That you're gonna like see something, you're gonna grow, it's gonna be like a good thing for you to do. Now, I'll just be honest, you could just ignore everything I've said so far and that would be totally fine, but I actually think you owe it to yourself because Jesus made it really clear that if you're generous, you'll be happy. And let me just say this too. At the center of our faith, the heart of our faith, it's not conquer, it's not rule, it's not conquest, it's not control, it's not hands like closed tightly, it's actually hands wide open, nailed, scarred hands. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's where real happiness begins. When we move beyond just giving generously, but living generously. Where we say, God, I I want you to use me to make an impact. I want my life to count. Lord, help me to do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you grateful for your word because it challenges us, it reminds us of what's really true. We get bombarded every week with messages about what will really bring us happiness. And it's so easy to believe those things. It's so easy to actually think, yeah, if I just had this or if I had that or more of this, and then I'd really be happy. And so Lord, we're grateful that you're a good, loving God that you remind us what will bring us real happiness, what will bring real joy, real contentment. But Lord, it's not easy. It's hard to do this. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that we hear your word, we think about it, we meditate on it. We think about it as we leave, we talk about it with our friends and our family, and we start to go, how could we do this more? How could we live generously?
And so God, we open up ourselves for you to do that good work in us. Lord, because we want to make an impact, we want to make a difference. And Lord, we know that you're gonna work in and through us in that process. And so Lord, we open up ourselves for you to do that good work. We pray this in the powerful and awesome name of Jesus. And everybody said...